Hey, Christ community, uh, welcome to all of you. So glad that you are here. Uh, greetings to our West Campus and our 15th Street Campus and our Traditions venue. Um, uh, so glad all of you are here. And really, no matter where you're at spiritually or emotionally, God is here for you. And he wants to speak to you and he wants to pour out his love upon you. And that's especially true today as we're talking about a, a really difficult and painful reality that many of you have experienced or maybe you are experiencing experiencing. And if you're not experiencing this or haven't, I'm guessing that someone you love is wrestling with this. And what we're talking about is depression. You know, we, we have recently seen in the news the horrible impact of depression. Well-known personalities like Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade have both taken their lives this, this earlier this summer. Spade's husband um, said that her suicide was the result of a severe depression that she had been battling. I'm part of a group of community leaders that have been meeting for several months just to address and to think about the increasing violence, how we can prevent just the increasing violence that's happening in our country. And one of the, one of the issues that keeps coming up regularly is just the number of young people who are battling depression. 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, high school students, college students. Depression is increasing in every age group, young and old alike. In our own community, just saw in the newspaper recently, maybe you saw this, it's estimated that 20% of people in our community battle clinical depression, and many, many more experience seasons of depression. And Christians are not immune. Christians are not immune. Some of the greatest Christian teachers and leaders of all time battled depression. Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon, Mother Teresa. So as we dive into the subject, let me just kind of, let me say a couple things right up front. First of all, this message is for every one of us here. It's for every one of us here. Whether you are battling depression or you know someone battling depression or you've never experienced either of those. You see, there is a, there's a huge stigma that is attached to this condition, unfortunately. And so people are ashamed to admit that they struggle with this. People often struggle in secret. And I just want to say right up front, it is not a sin to struggle with depression. It does not make you less spiritual. It does not make you less mature. We, we are a church that is for people who are battling these things. And part of that being for them is understanding this condition and having compassion. So again, this message is for all of us because this is about the kind of church that we want to be. Another critical thing to understand right up front is that depression is a very complex issue with multiple possible causative factors. So it is not helpful or accurate to tell a depressed person to snap out of it or to tell them that it's all in their head. There are all sorts of factors that can contribute to someone's experience of depression. There are physiological factors, serotonin levels in the brain and, and lack of sleep. There are genetic factors that can contribute to depression. There are circumstances and experiences of grief or trauma that can contribute to depression. There are social factors that can contribute to depression, lack of meaningful relational connections, family dynamics in our family growing up. I mean, the list is endless of all the things that can possibly contribute to depression. And because of that, I think it's helpful to include the field of medicine as well as the field of psychology into any conversation about depression. It is not unspiritual to see your family doctor, to see your doctor if you feel depressed. Nor is it unhealthy to see a counselor to help explore what may be going on in you. But 
But what is often missing from discussions about depression is the spiritual perspective on this issue. What might God want to say to us in the midst of our own battle with depression or as we walk alongside a friend or a family member or an e-group member who, who struggles with this? Where, where do we look for spiritual help and guidance in navigating this dark and difficult journey? Well, if you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to Psalm 42. We are in the midst of a <clears throat> summer teaching series where we're looking at various psalms and discovering how we can experience God in the midst of some of these hard places in our lives. And today we're looking at Psalm 42, where the writer of this psalm finds himself in the midst of depression. So I want to read this whole psalm in its entirety. I'll read it. You can follow along. Um, and, and then I'd like to unpack it and let God speak to us in it. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is God's word. Now, as I've been saying all along in this series, one of the things I love about the Psalms is just the brutal honesty and the vulnerability here. I mean, these are not these sterile, superficial, rose-colored ditties, you know, with, you know, a little bow on top of them. No, these, these poems, these songs are raw and they are real. They are this amazing window into the heart of someone who is struggling, in this case, someone who is struggling with depression. And what we notice here, that there are several factors that are contributing to the psalmist's experience of depression. One is this acute sense of God's absence. The psalmist says in verse one that he is thirsting for God like a dehydrated deer looking for any source of water. Verse nine says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? One of the common experiences of those who are depressed is this sense of aloneness, this distance from God that feels like a dark cloud. The psalmist also describes a profound sadness. He says in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. This is not your normal sadness that we all experience at times in our lives. This is an overwhelming feeling of sadness and grief that he feels constantly. 
Sometimes depression is triggered by grief or by loss, the death of a spouse or, or the loss of a job or the loss of friends and community due to a job move that's taken us to a different location. In these places of loss and sadness, depression can settle in and become this constant companion that we don't want, which can easily lead to another aspect of depression, and that's this profound sense of despair, of hopelessness. Is this ever going to go away? Will I ever feel better? And, and part of what feeds this despair in the psalmist's case is that he remembers better days. Look at verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one <clears throat> with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And he remembers how he used to be happy and joyful, how he used to sense God's presence and God's protection, how he used to enjoy friendships and community, and that these kinds of memories, they, 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 can, they can make our depression feel even worse. I used to not feel this way. What happened to me? What's wrong with me? <clears throat> and then, of course, there are physical factors that are often a part of depression. Psalm, verse 10, the psalmist says, my bones suffer mortal agony. He is experiencing physical pain, which is often the case and often can contribute to depression, right? When people experience chronic pain, like chronic headaches or chronic back pain, it often just feeds this feeling of helplessness and despair. Sometimes we don't even want to get out of bed. Sleep becomes the only place we can escape this. We lose motivation to do anything. Or for others, sleep becomes extremely difficult. Nights feel like they last forever and ever as our thoughts just race and we can never feel peace. So can I, can I just say, depression sucks. It sucks. It, there is nothing, nothing that feels good about it. Nothing that feels good about it. And the psalmist is right there in the thick of this experience of dark depression. But thankfully, that's not all this psalm contains. It is not simply a description of the psalmist's misery. There is something else here in this psalm that is happening. There's an undercurrent that is so powerful and so beautiful and so inspiring. And that is what I refer, would refer to here as a battle for hope. There is a battle for hope going on in this psalm. Twice in this psalm, there is this powerful verse. Verse 5 and 11 is repeated. And I want, I want all of us to read this out loud together. This is, this is key to the psalm here. Let's read this out loud together. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. What an incredibly powerful statement. In the midst of profound sadness and aloneness and despair and physical pain, the psalmist says to his soul, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Notice, I love that, that this person is not yet praising him, right? They are not yet feeling hopeful. They're not feeling hopeful, but he's battling for hope. He says to his soul, come on, come on, put your hope in God. Don't give up. This person is battling for hope. And he says it twice in this psalm. He's battling for hope. So if you are in the midst of experiencing depression, I believe with all my heart, God is saying to you, keep battling for hope. Don't give up. Keep battling for hope. 
Okay, so what does this battle for hope look like? Well, there are a couple of specific things that we see in this, the psalmist doing here that show us how we can battle for hope in the midst of our depression or maybe how we can help others battle for hope in the midst of their depression. So first, first thing, we can, we can thirst for God. We can thirst for God. Make God your passionate pursuit, even when you're not experiencing him. See, notice, look again at verse one. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You know, we've kind of sterilized this verse, you know, with putting it in soothing songs, you know, as the deer, you know, all the songs, and we put it on coffee mugs and posters and all that stuff. This, this, is, this is a raw, desperate cry for God in a place where this person is not experiencing God. This is a dehydrated deer that can't find water. Now, here's what I want us to understand and realize. There is something so powerful about being thirsty. So powerful. To be thirsty is to be aware of your need. See, it, it is to be longing for something that your soul is craving one of my favorite verses in the, all of the Bible, I have it on my wall in my office. It's John 7, 37. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. See, thirst is a really good thing. If our bodies didn't experience the sensation of being thirsty, whatever causes that, if our bodies didn't experience that, we would die of dehydration. God made our bodies with this capacity, this crucial capacity to thirst. The sensation of thirst moves us to pursue that which can satisfy our thirst, okay? So, so in this place of soul thirst, of desperation in the midst of the darkness of depression, the psalmist thirsts for God. He yearns for God. He is moving toward God even when he feels his absence, but here's, here's, here's our problem. Our human tendency, this is the problem for all of us, our human tendency in the midst of the desperate feeling of depression, our human tendency is to try to satisfy our thirst with other things rather than God. The choices are legion. We turn to alcohol, we turn to marijuana or illegal substances or painkillers or pornography or gambling or shopping or whatever. Why do we turn to these things? Because these things initially slake our thirst. They numb the pain we feel. They make us feel better temporarily, right? Momentarily, they make us feel better. But then the adrenaline rush kind of wears off. And guess what? We feel worse. We feel worse. So what do we do when we feel worse? We go again, we go right back to that same substance or that same experience to regain that high that we felt before. Only this time we have to go a little farther, we have to go a little higher, whatever. We have to get a little more in order to feel that. And then the crash is even bigger. And what happens is soon we get stuck in this addictive cycle. We, we get stuck in an addictive cycle. Often in cases of these high profile suicides like Robin Williams, substance abuse is a huge factor because what happens is the addiction takes more and more control over us and we end up just losing hope. We feel powerless, we lose hope. So, so the way to battle for hope in the midst of depression is to direct our soul thirst toward God. It is to keep pursuing him even when we don't feel like it. 
It's to keep pursuing life-giving relationships when we don't feel like being with people. It's, it's, it's to, to keep going to worship services even when we don't feel like doing that. It's to keep praying. It's to keep reading his word even when we don't feel like doing those things. Why? Here's why. Because we recognize that within us is a deeper thirst. We want God. We want God. We need God more than anything else. See, just like any other physical condition like diabetes or, or high blood pressure or whatever, there is a treatment plan for depression. Just like any other condition, there is a treatment plan for depression. And part of that treatment plan is this intentional decision to do things that we know are healthy for us, even when we don't feel like it. Thirst for God. Thirst for God. A second way to battle for hope, as revealed in the psalm, is this. Explore the why of your depression. Explore the why. As I mentioned earlier, depression is a very complex thing, and it can be rooted in, in many, many different things. It can be genetic. It can be rooted in our past. It can be rooted in our upbringing, the emotional neglect or pain from our past that we've experienced. It can be rooted in lies that we're believing. Depression can be triggered by anger or grief or trauma. So rather than just instinctively trying to apply a Band-Aid to, to depression, oh, this is depression, so here's what you need to do. Rather than doing that, it can be helpful, really, really helpful to do some detective work when you're experiencing depression. Do some detective work to explore what may be causing this depression. So notice how the psalmist says in verse 5 and verse 11, notice what he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? See, he's asking his soul a question and it's a great question to process with God. God, why am I feeling this way? Well, what is going on here? Why am I feeling this way? So sometimes going to a Christian counselor can be helpful in unpacking what's beneath the surface of this. You start to talk about your family of origin, start talking about those things. And some of these things, anger or whatever, these things begin to, 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 to surface. As I mentioned before, it can also be helpful to go to, to a physician, go to our doctor to see if there's some physical factor contributing to this. And if that's the case, medications can be prescribed, you know, to whatever's out of balance or whatever. It, it is not a sin to take medication for depression. It's not. But I do want to encourage anyone on medication for depression. I want to encourage you to also explore what other factors may be contributing to this? Because here's the deal. Medications can help bring balance to chemicals in the brain, but they do nothing to heal pain. They do nothing to heal pain from our past. They do nothing to uproot lies that we are believing. Okay, so nothing wrong with taking medication, but realize there may be other things going on as well. And don't just focus on only on the medication to feel better and not explore what other causative factors may be going on. So again, this, the key is this question. It's to explore, why am I feeling this way? What factors are contributing to this experience of depression? And then bring God into that. Bring God into that discussion. Well, and, and once you've identified some factors in your depression, bring God into that place. Are there wounds that he wants to heal from your family of origin? Cool, let's bring God into that. Let the Holy Spirit bring healing. Are there truths that he wants to speak into places where we believe lies and shame, they, these things have been lodged? And great, let's let God speak into that. 
We, we have a ministry here at our church called Hope Abounds, which is a prayer ministry to help explore how our, our pain and our wounds and our past may be influencing some of these things. And so I'd encourage you, call our church office and sign up for a Hope Abounds prayer time as a part of this explorative journey, because that's what it is. We're, become a detective. Begin to explore. What is going on? What's going on? Because again, if we don't explore the root cause, our solutions will, will just be little more than band-aids um, rather than getting to the root issue, right? Rather than getting actual help. Third facet for battling hope is this, cling to the truth of who God is. Cling to the truth of who God is. Right in the middle of this psalm, right in the heart of this psalm, there's this section where the psalmist makes these statements about who God is. So look with me at verse six. My soul is downcast within me. I'm depressed, he's saying. Therefore, because my soul is downcast, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Okay, notice what the psalmist is doing here. He says, my soul is downcast. Therefore, because I'm feeling this, therefore, I will remember you. In other words, I'm going to cling to what I know to be true about you. Even if I'm not feeling it, I'm going to cling to what I know to be true about you. And here's what's so cool here. He refers to some geographical locations, right? Each of which represents an aspect of God's character. So he talks about the River Jordan, which is a visual picture for the Israelites. It was a visual picture of God's provision. Um, he talks about Mount Hermon and Mount Mizar. These, these represent God's power. For, for us in Colorado, we're, we're so used to this, right? In the front range, we, we, we look at the mountains and we're just reminded of God's majesty. The, the psalmist is looking around at creation and he's being reminded of God's power and provision. See, th this is why taking walks is really good for your soul in times of depression. This is one reason why. It's not just the physical benefit and there is some of that. This is another reason. Another reason is because just looking at the flowers and trees and the mountains, looking at creation, and it, it, it helps just remind us of who God is when we don't feel it in here. But creation reminds us of that. That's what the psalmist is doing. Another attribute of God is mentioned in the next verse. Look at this. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. This is such a fascinating verse. The psalmist is describing his depression as waves crashing over him. Now that may sound, oh, that's so nice. Hey, listen, I was just in the Atlantic Ocean a few days ago and I was just swimming at the beach, right? And I was reminded of how powerful waves are when they crash on you, right? If you see a wave coming and you can anticipate it, you just kind of swim under it. It's no big deal. But if you don't see it coming and you're standing there, when a wave actually crashes over you, you are no longer standing, okay? You are eating sand. Um, my my daughter-in-law got thrown to the ground by a wave and she came up, her arm was scratched, I mean, by the rocks and the, the seashells. See, a crashing wave is not this cute little picture. A crashing wave is this vivid image of being overwhelmed by something way beyond your control. That this is how life feels for the psalmist. And it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. But I want you to notice how he describes these waves and breakers. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. Your waves. He is attributing these waves to God. 
Not in a blaming way, you know, blaming God for his depression. No, but rather in a way that recognizes the sovereign purposes of God. There are, these, these are God's waves in that God is able to use them for his purposes. One of the most powerful verses in this regard is Romans 8, 28. Many Christians are familiar with this. We, we often quote this, understandably so. But what I had never noticed, what I hadn't really noticed b before, is how this verse, and I'll read it in just a moment, how this verse comes right after Paul has been describing suffering. It comes right after Paul has been describing how we yearn for our suffering to be over. We groan in prayer and in our weakness. We're longing for redemption of our bodies. There's this suffering, this yearning, this groaning. That's the context for what Paul then says in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. He is not talking, excuse me, he is talking here. Paul is talking about suffering. When he, when he says, he, he mentions this truth. And I, I don't know how else to read this except to include depression in this. That somehow, even in depression, God is working his purposes. Even in our battle with depression, he is working his purposes. He is working good. That doesn't mean he sent the depression, but it does mean that he is at work in it and that he intends somehow to bring good out of it. I mean, think of some of the most powerful paintings and literature and music. Many of those have come out of a place where the artist is experiencing depression. Michelangelo, Van Gogh, uh, I mean, many, many. They've come out of this place of depression. See, as I said earlier, depression sucks. It sucks. But it doesn't mean that God is not at work in the depression, accomplishing things that we can't see at the time. I remember praying with a young man who was battling depression. And, and, and as we were, we were praying together, I, I just was listening to the Lord. And, and God brought this picture to my mind that I felt like was for this young man. And the picture I got was, was this young man. He was, he was hiking up a mountain. And, and so it's, it's hard work, you know, hiking up, up a mountain, hard work. But what made it worse was in this picture was that he couldn't see the summit because a cloud layer had come in. And so he was hiking, but he couldn't see the top of the mountain. He couldn't see where he was headed. All he could see were the next few steps on the path. And I just felt like the Lord wanted him to know, you are making progress. You can't see it because there's this cloud cover that's all, you know, but, but from God's vantage point, the mountain is still there and the summit is still there. And you are making progress. You are moving toward the summit, even though you don't see the summit right now. God is still at work for you as well. If you don't see the summit and it feels like nothing is happening, nothing is not happening. God is still at work. He is still orchestrating his good purposes. So see, in these verses here, the psalmist is clinging to who God is, even in the midst of his depression. He's clinging. Even if he doesn't feel like it, he's clinging to these truths through creation and all these things. He's clinging to these truths. God is sovereign. God is powerful. God is at work. There's a fourth thing that the psalmist does in his battle for hope, and, and that is to rest in God's love. Rest in God's love. Well, look at verse 8. By day, the Lord directs his love 
At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I love this verse. It is so powerful. Here is this person in the midst of deep depression, and yet they are resting in God's love. Now, this initial phrase, by day, the Lord directs his love. It's fascinating because the word directs literally means commands. It is a, a word used throughout the Old Testament when God commands his prophets to, to speak, same word. Or when God commands his people to obey, same word. It has a force to it, and yet here it's being used to describe God's love. By day, God commands his love. In other words, this is not optional. This is not an optional, trivial thing God is doing here. No, this is something he commands. His love for you is a determined reality because of Christ's work on the cross. It is not dependent upon your behavior. It's not dependent upon your feelings. It's not dependent upon your depression. Why? Because the Lord commands it. He commands it. He directs it. No matter how dark your depression, the Lord loves you. His love doesn't change. It is something he has determined in the heavenly realms. So we don't really have a say in the matter. <laughs> we don't have a say in the matter. He loves you whether you like it or not. Whether you feel it or not. He loves you. So that's in the daytime. He directs his love. He commands his love in the daytime. What about the night? At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Nights can be rough. Nights can be rough when we're battling depression. Everything feels dark and we feel so alone with our thoughts and all of that. But the psalmist tells us here that the Lord is doing something in those dark nights. He is singing over you. He is singing over you. His song, this song of life and love and hope and joy and peace, that song is being sung over you and within you by his Holy Spirit. So as you pay attention to that song and tune into it more and more, it becomes, as the psalmist says here, a prayer to the God of my life. This song, as we're tuning into all these, he's saying over us and singing over us, it becomes a prayer to the God of our life. He is your God. He is with you. He hears your prayers for relief. He hears your prayers for this dark cloud to lift. You can rest in his love day and night, 24-7. You can rest in his love. Nothing can separate you from the love that is found in, in Jesus Christ, not even depression, Nothing can separate you from his love because he commands it. He commands it. Now, let me, let me point out one final thing that is crucial in this battle. When the psalmist in verse 5 is talking about remembering better days, remember, he, he specifically mentions being among the festive throng. He was experiencing community, but, but he doesn't seem to be experiencing that now, right? Read the psalm. He doesn't seem to be experiencing that now. His experience of depression is not in community. He's alone. You can look at the number of times he says, my and me and I. I mean, it's just, he's, he's, it's pretty alone here. It doesn't feel to me like he is processing this whole experience um, in community. He's alone with the Lord. He's just processing it alone with the Lord. And I think he's missing something, honestly, because it is just him and the Lord. I think he's missing something because we need to experience community. 
We need to experience community. We need community. We need other people around us to help us in our battle for hope. We have a ministry here. Um, we just started it uh, not, not long ago, maybe a year ago. This is called Paths to Hope, where people who are walking through things like depression or grief or whatever, they can have someone to walk along with them, walk alongside with them. We, I mean, we all need that. We all need that. We are not alone in this. And this is where we as a church can be the church to people around us who are battling for hope. We can battle with them. It's a battle. No easy fixes here, we, but we can battle with them. I was talking with some friends of mine who, who recently visited their, their father, father-in-law, um, who's struggling with depression. And, and throughout most of their visit, which was several days long, he didn't engage at all. Just very little engagement, just sat there, just battling with depression, just heartbreaking. But before they left, they offered to pray for him. And he perked up immediately, said, absolutely, please pray for me. And so they prayed for him to experience hope and to experience strength and healing and wholeness and all of these things. And as they did, as they prayed, they could just sense and see his heart agreeing with their prayers. He was agreeing with their prayers. See, they were battling for him and with him in this. And we all need this. We all need this. For those of you battling depression, don't go it alone. And for the rest of us, we can enter into the battle for hope that our brothers and sisters are engaging in by listening to them and validating their experience and praying for them and encouraging them to keep battling. So I want us to watch a story of someone in our church family who is in this battle for hope. Let's watch this. I'm Pam and this is part of my story. I don't think my kids knew the depth of it. They might have known mom was sad sometimes, but tried to keep it as normal for them as I could. It's like I was living the dream. I had a great husband. I had great kids. Um, I was a stay-at-home mom, which was always my dream. I love to take care of my home and my family. And yeah, I still went into that black hole. I kind of was living the Christian life like A plus B equals C. You believe in God, you trust him, you do what he says. I mean, God and I had walked a ways. He'd asked me to do some hard things and I did them. And we were receiving, I mean, God was just blessing. And then one time, I mean, A plus B didn't equal C. I thought I was doing everything right. <laughs> I was so busy trying to be the good Christian woman that I didn't even know who I was anymore. And that was part of it, is I, I had lost myself. I thought all those things I was doing were my identity and were gonna bring a fulfilling identity. I was convinced that I didn't matter and that the world would be better off without me. And that's when the suicidal thought started. You know, I don't really think my family really knew or understood. I was very isolated from the other people that had been in my life. 
It wasn't that I was trying to hide it, but you don't just talk to everybody about that. When life didn't turn out according to the formula, or when I obeyed him in the hard things and I still had to go through trials, I was really disappointed. And really what that disappointment was, was anger. <laughs> that, wait a minute, I had done the hard things. This isn't fair. <laughs> this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I think I deserve. And right in that moment, God said, Pam, what are you angry about? And I really truly felt like that was him reaching down and starting the process of pulling me out. That was just so huge. I literally wrote three pages of things. I didn't have any idea that I was so frustrated and angry about so many things, disappointed. I had no idea until God asked me that question and it started just pouring out. And he was just, take, I feel like he was taking the lid off and said, okay, we're gonna deal with this, we're gonna look at this. Who I thought I was, what I thought I wanted, what I thought was gonna fulfill, what I even thought the Christian life was about. It's all changed. God showed me those lies I was believing. I was trying to do all these things to make him happy, to make myself happy. And I didn't even know who I was. He wanted to show me who I truly am and that it's not about works and it's not about trying harder and it's not about being good. It's about being loved and living out of that. So I sought out everything I could think of. I went to my physical doctor and to see if there were supplements that I needed, if there was medications that I needed. I went to church and asked for prayer. I went to healing ministry. I was in church when I could be. I talked to my friends for accountability. I mean, I just sought it. And I just feel like I just kind of went after it because God said that I had a role I could play in this. And I did, I went after it. I, and those feelings definitely did not go away overnight. So yeah, I still do some of the same things. I, I have my quiet times in the morning or whenever. I go take a walk and I speak to the Lord or I talk to him and he talks to me. Um, I am involved in prayer ministry. I have a passion for women's ministry. I always have. But now it's just different. The heart behind it and the reason why I do it is just pure delight in the Lord. It's because I know he loves me. Let's pray. God, thank you um, for this story and for every other story here that you are writing. Every one of us has a unique journey and story with you. And Lord, I want to I just pray, first of all, for those who are in this place of depression, whether they've admitted that to others or they're suffering secretly, I we want to pray for them right now that you would pour out your grace upon them. And we pray for them to battle for hope, to battle for hope, Lord. 
And so we pray, God, for a thirst for you, Lord, for all of us here where we tend to, we can slake our thirst with all sorts of unhealthy things and maybe even good things. They just become too important. Lord, I pray that all of us would thirst for you. We would go after you even when we don't feel like it. And I pray too for those who are battling depression to be willing to explore the why even when it looks, it means looking at some painful, potentially painful places in our past and some hurtful memories or some lies we're believing or some shame we carry or, or anger or grief or all these things. Lord, I pray for a willingness to ask the why and to go after that with a, with a Christian counselor in prayer, with a ministry here, a healing ministry, a hope abounds ministry, whatever that looks like. Lord, you would just, you would speak and reveal and so we pray for that, God. And we pray for those wrestling with they would cling to the truth of who you are. In the midst of uh, all the things going on, they would cling to these things and you would remind them through creation and other things, you would remind them of who you are. And I, we pray as well they would rest in your love, this love that is commanded towards them. Because of Jesus, they would rest in that. And finally, Lord, I pray they would engage in community. They would move towards community. And so, so, Lord, whatever is stirring in people's hearts here, I pray movement and battling. If there's anyone here who feels like they don't matter and that the world is better off without them, I pray in the name of Jesus you would expose that lie from the pit of hell. It is not true. I pray that each person here would know they matter to you and to us, they matter. Their life is important and significant and has purpose and meaning. And so we pray for that. Would you continue to pour out hope in the hearts of each and every person battling depression, discouragement, whatever it happens to be, pour out hope and strengthen them in this battle. And I want to pray for all of us as a church. God, we all probably, if we're not battling depression, we know people. Some of us can probably list four or five people or more, friends or people at work that we know are battling. And we want to enter into the battle. Would you help us do that as a church and as, as just brothers and sisters in Christ here? We would enter into the battle for family members and friends and coworkers and loved ones fellow students, we would enter into this battle for them. So God, thank you for the hope that you give us in the psalm and in your word. And I pray that you would continue to pour out hope as we battle for it. And, and even now, God, as we, we get to battle for hope in worship, where we sing songs, we declare your praise in worship. And so we ask you now just to set us free to do that, whether we're feeling it or not. We, we're, we're stepping into this place to, to declare your praise, God. So we focus our eyes and our hearts upon you. So why don't, why don't we stand? Um, if you want to stand at some point, that's totally cool. But let's begin standing at all of our campuses and let's worship this amazing God. Jesus set us free to worship you, to choose to worship you.